Go ahead and give me that sanity check. <laughs> what? Ooh, too bad, so sad. Looks like you just picked up a derangement, friend. Happy Harvey here, and you'd be insane not to check out Chaotic Click Clacks. That's right, friends. Head on over to Facebook, Instagram, or Etsy and search up Chaotic Click Clacks. Peruse their exotic array of handmade gaming dice. So the next time you're staring into the gaping mall of insanity, you can do so with confidence and style. Remember, Chaotic Click Clacks, where we want to be your clack dealer. Welcome to Maximum Moral Entertainment Podcast, where we take the time to interview folks within the gaming industry. And today, what happens when a bunch of theater geeks get together and hit record in an immersive story collaboration and an amazing role-playing? Jerome, the DM for D20 to Curtain Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Williams. Welcome, guys. Hey, thanks for having us. Hello. Hello. Yeah, what... Why don't you uh, uh, take us around the table? We got a full house, so let's uh, talk about who you got. Yeah, I'm uh, Jerome. I'm the Dungeon Master. And then I'm joined here by, and we could just do it in order. I guess we do it on the show. Yeah, yeah there you go. Weird. We're, we're, the... we're two members shy, so. Uh, it's Timmy. We'll, uh... Timmy says, I'm, I'm uh, uh, Timmy and I play yeah. Allie. Jennifer says, I am Jennifer and I play Ua. And I go, I'm Jared. I'm Jade. <laughs> yeah, I, but I'm Kara and I play Nezarin. Are you next? I was. I'm second. You're second. You skipped Kara. I'm Timmy. I'm Allie. I'm Kara. I'm Nezarin. I thought. Okay, I thought you were I'm after. <laughs> That's right. Jody always follows me. God. I'm Jody and I play Lapis and I'm always last, so I just wait till everybody's done talking and say my. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah, you have the easy one. Adam. I yep. have a I have a character in my game. I keep forgetting about her too, and she's always last. And then they're like, "What, what I'm about fine Sophia?" With it. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, Sophia." And she's like, "That's fine, Kelly. Whatever." <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, it seems like you guys have the very long intros like we do. They're getting to you know fifteen twenty minutes long of the introduction of you know as we get we, we had it narrowed it down to like a small two minute thing, and now we're up to like fifteen minutes where we're just like, <laughs> wow. like it's supposed to be the other way around, guys. You know, <laughs> but yeah, it works. So welcome, yeah, it, it's it's uh, nice to have you guys uh, here. I've been looking at your uh, Twitch. I'm sorry. Your, I just pulled up Twitch. I don't know why I said Twitch. But I've been <laughs> looking at your Instagram. And uh, so you guys are a bunch of theater nerds. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> so, well, well, before we get into D&D, why don't you tell me about that whole scene, like how that came up to be? Um, just how we started playing? Well, I mean, how you guys got into theater? Did you guys meet at the theater? Like, what theater did you guys meet at? Are you guys did you guys all meet in yeah. school? Well, we we all all worked together in various places across the Oklahoma area. Um, but specifically, we came together at a place called the Pollard Theater in Guthrie, Oklahoma, and we're doing shows there, and you know, spending lots of time and getting involved in projects and productions, and somewhere in the midst of that. D and D came up and everybody went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was we were playing a game that we do we did a, a Christmas show. It was called a Territorial Christmas Carol. So it was Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol with a bunch of cowboy hats, and we were doing. It was like the third or fourth year of us doing that, 
and uh, a buddy of ours was was playing and we were kind of sitting down and Jerome walked by he's like what are you guys doing is that 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 nerdy D and D that that super nerd D and D stuff we were like yeah why don't you try it and he's like no <laughs> and then and then but but of course you know I, I you know you you know your wife better than I do Jerome you should talk you should talk about Jennifer and how you got into it first of all I need to clarify that's not say, that's- what I. Way different. Yeah. That's yeah. way different than the story I heard. As you were, <laughs> that's not how it started. That was just that was my introduction to Jerome I learning of D and D. Has revealed the true, true story. Like we've been putting out the nice one. This is the Barbara Walters, yeah, segment where it all comes out. Anybody who knows me knows that I didn't call anything nerdy. The truth <laughs> of the matter is, you guys are playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I was asleep on the couch. That's probably that's probably more accurate. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, we, my wife, who is a longtime player and a big fan of Critical Role, was always watching the show, and I didn't know much about it, but I know that she enjoyed it, and I wanted to do, a, uh, set up a Dungeons and Dragons game for her fortieth birthday. Nice. And so I said, well, you know, maybe I'll hire a dungeon master. I didn't know anything about it, uh, but I was going to hire a dungeon master, and I thought we would all, all of our theater friends, would sit around and play. Well, I went and bought the books at a local gaming store game hq and they directed me they were so generous with their time and kind and they kind of directed me what to look at and i started reading the dungeon master's guide and i thought i think i can do this i won't be great but i think i could figure out how to make it work and so we called a bunch of our active friends and said we're going to get together on the stage and we set up lights and a fog machine and oh man and all kind of cool <laughs> uh stage stuff and we just played pretend for three or four or five hours. It was a long and, one, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, we, we were off and running. I mean, she told me even before the game happened, she said, yeah, it's not going to be a one-shot. It's going to be a campaign, <laughs> uh, which turned into two because we immediately started running an uh, all-female character group after that. But it just became kind of became an obsession. And here we are, what, three years later? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Two That's years. Awesome. That's not right. Yeah. Why not 43? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, my wife's like, how do you win Dungeons and Dragons? And I'm like, oh, I've been playing for 30 years. I still have yet to win this thing. And she's like, oh my God. She doesn't play D&D. She doesn't do any of that stuff. So, uh, And she's the one that got me doing a podcast and listening to podcasts, D&D uh, stuff. And, and she regrets every moment. <laughs> I was like, oh, I started a company. And she's like, oh my God. <laughs> I thought it was going to keep you occupied for a couple of hours. I didn't know it was going to turn into our life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's what makes it neat about us is that we all kind of come from different backgrounds as far as like D&D and that goes. Because how I got brought in is we were like at an, at an opening show party or something of that nature. And I just remember somebody said D&D and I was like, what? What? I played, <laughs> I played in like high school, but I was mainly a vampire the masquerade kind of girl. I was real gothy. But um, <laughs> like... I was like, I went in, I went in. And so it's been like, we all, are, we all have like different kind of experiences with the game, like new yeah. and older. Yeah. And... yeah, yeah we'll I, I heard him talking about it. And I think it was Jerome who looked at me and he was like, you love improv. You would really enjoy this. You should play. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then I kind of followed him all around like a little lost puppy going, I want to play. Hey guys, hey guys, I can do? I play too? Hey guys. And eventually they let me. Here's some dice. Yeah, you know, I always joke. I'm like, you just walk into a room if you're new to an area and just have the player's handbook 
tie it off to a rope. You throw it in the room. You kind of like pull it back and see who follows yeah. it. And then you're like, yeah. I got a team. You know? Exactly. Because there's always, in every room you go into, someone knows D&D. They've heard of it or they have played it at some point in their life. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they... It's kind of weird because for a bunch of theater people, Jennifer had certainly played. Kara had certainly played. I think Jared had played a little. Mm-hmm. But a bunch of us were brand new to it. Um, just for whatever reason, I think Timothy and I are both probably old enough to have lived through the satanic panic. So we mm-hmm. we kind of trained, oh, you, you stay away from that. Otherwise, you're going to you know burn it in the hellfires. Yeah, I remember that because that's what I thought it was. I was like, oh, D&D. Yeah, that's the that's the that's Satan game. That's the Satan game. <laughs> that was one of my my first rebellious moves was playing D&D. And I was like, ha ha ha. My parents, if they ever knew I was playing D&D. Yeah. Yep. I was I was like the popular girl in school and I but I was like the secret nerd and I found this group of guys I it was easy to spot them because he wore chain mail to, like, to school and, <laughs> um, and I got to talking to him in the library and they're like we played this game and they were telling me about it and I was like I want to play that game and they were like oh my god you're gonna come over and play the game I was like yeah I'm gonna come over and play the game so and it was in a basement and I remember we played Typical. for like five hours. I had a blast. And when we got up to go, I was like, I was never here. And if you tell anybody I was here, <laughs> that's so yeah. terrible. That's the one thing I do miss. We, in the late or the early 90s, we used to record our games on the old cassette tapes in the basement. And I wish I still had this because I would wow. do those wow. into wow. like a series <laughs> and put that out there. Wow. Uh, just to see the difference, but obviously it'd be way better. And, but it'd have that Call of Cthulhu feel to it if you're right. Ooh, so like yeah. the winding wheel and everything. Uh, so I think everybody in that time frame, you know, playing D and D was big hush hush and secretive, and you know, stay away from it. Uh, and now it's everywhere. I'm like, any it's, it's on TV. I think every time I listen to a, a show on on TV, at some point they mention Dungeons and Dragons, or they're sure. they reference yeah. it, or there's posters. I think it's everywhere. Stranger now. Things and Big yeah, Bang, say, and you don't need yeah. the lamb's blood and the salt pouches anymore. You can right, just right. you know you the pentagrams. You can just go for it. Keep those you know cover those up now these days. <laughs> uh, you know, you talked about doing a show on on a stage. Uh, my friend uh, Tim, uh, the the uh gm he's in canada and he does the drag show uh where they do like uh like a D drag mix uh on stage and he's always wondered like oh, how to record no. that uh how, how did you guys record that well he has a huge audience there that that it's there for the improv portion of it but how did you guys get into recording it um it was funny again because we we started playing it, it turned into multiple campaigns and as we were playing it i was hearing a lot from other people in the theater community who were kind of like man i would love to play with actors it's not something i've ever done and we were still learning the components of the game but but it's a different style of acting it's a different style of storytelling so you're still learning how to share the spotlight you're still learning how to yes and in this environment how not how not to try to win D, as you put it earlier um and and it occurred to me i thought boy this would be a great tool that translates acting into this idea of storytelling this ideal of make-believe and role play and so we started talking about podcasting really early on um mm-hmm. in the playing it took us about a year to actually decide we were going to do it as opposed to just talking about it <laughs> but 
it, 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 we were sitting around the table and we bought microphones and researched, you know, what do we need to do? We never recorded the game visually because we were, again, we're still learning how to put it together. So if anybody sees our raw footage, they'd go, yeah, that's why they don't do it live yet. Um, but of course, that's the goal. We'll do that eventually because there's a lot of, uh, where did I put that map? Oh, can't find the, can't find the character sheet. And probably nobody wants to hear that for an hour. You'd be surprised, you know, and it's one of those things that when, when people, uh, you know, the atmosphere is different when you're recording your show and then producing it on, on as a podcast. There's a lot of D&D podcasts that don't edit. They just take their game and like four or five hours of play and they throw it on there. And, mm -hmm. and you know, there's a lot of gaps or microwave or uh, I've, <laughs> I've heard some crazy things. Uh, <laughs> a little, a tiny bit of editing, I would listen, but... Uh, it does change yeah. the dynamics of your table because now people are more conscious about what they say uh, or how they want to present their character because, like, you know, family might listen or friends. And, right. and the next thing you know, you're like, oh, I didn't mean to. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry that I tortured that guy. <clears throat> yeah. Has that, has that changed not... your guys' gameplay at all? No, I, 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 I feel like I'm like the wild card, I guess, and that I just kind of. I don't know what I'm going to do from day to day, honestly. <laughs> it's just kind of a crapshoot with me. And I don't even, people are like, well, did you plan that? I'm like, no, I didn't plan that. Yeah, it's always interesting because like, I, I have some family members that listen and they're like, huh, so that's that's how that would go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the game. I'm just feeding off my group, you know? <laughs> you know we just, some weird things go on and people are like, huh, interesting. And I'm like, <laughs> we had had a discussion about that when we first started of whether or not we should try and make it PG or what what the kind of rating was that we were going to go for. Yeah, but uh, I, think I think at some point we face that like, immediately when we started playing the, in recording, and then we were like, Never I... mind. <laughs> <laughs> "I'm I pretty mean, sure I... that was the magic word." Oh, great! Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, at, at some point we just decided it would just make us more comfortable if we could speak without having to you know, censor ourselves and whatnot. Yeah, I, I think that really takes away from the game too. And, and you know, you're always going to run into that when you, especially when you get a lot bigger and you, you know, get five or a thousand downloads per episode, there's always going to be folks out there that going to not like the content or, or, you know, there's always going to be a problem, uh, especially with today's climate. Uh, and if you start tailoring to to those aspects, then you know it takes away from the gameplay. And the whole idea is the gameplay itself. Not, you know, we're not sitting there like intentionally trying to do weird things. But you're in the fantasy world, and you can do those things. Again, it's a fantasy world. It's not like right. uh, wild. So it's it's hard to to you know appeal to everybody's um, you know wants and needs. And, and then that takes away from the game if you sit there and want to. Oh, we're not going to use cuss words, and that's really hard when you're having fun with a bunch of people, and you, you know, mm -hmm. you have a mouth like a sailor, and you, you know, <laughs> oh, I got I to edit that. What minute was that in? And, you know, um, but I've cut yeah. out stuff from my podcast, um, all of them, uh, just because I'm like, ah, you know, that's just not going to work, and that's going to turn a lot of people away. Or we'll re-record that little section to where I'm like, ah, what do you guys think about this? I'm really conscious about that kind of stuff. I'll take that portion put it in the group chat and be like do we want to put this out or do we want to reword it or redo it because you know there is a point where you kind of have to do some stuff but like 
cussing or random things like that but crazy you're talking about this because we just had like a sit down with each other having this exact conversation I think everybody does at some point because again it's all about the climate that we're in the country or the the country the state that you're in to just you just have to you know think about the audience and I mean you don't want to like turn them all away I know when we put our stuff on YouTube we put our our episodes on YouTube so that the hearing impaired can actually watch the game or listen to the game watch the game because it does close captions uh and I woke up and and I got a message from our player and she's like oh we have 800,000 uh views and I was like what did I say you know it's it's just that (laughs) moment where I'm like what did I do how did we went from it was like episode two uh, and I was like, I said something. There's no way. And then I looked at it and it was there. And I'm like, oh my God. And then it corrected. And there's like four. And I was like, you know, but my first thought was like, hell yeah, we're doing good. It's like, oh God, what did I say? What did I do? What did they say or do? Right. Like, we're going down. <laughs> and um, it's funny because as, as we had this conversation, part of our discussion was we want to make sure that part of our goal with the show is to make sure everybody knows that they're welcome at the table, at our table, but at the D&D table in general. But we also want to make sure that we're clear to people that things happen in these worlds that we want to comment on, or it gives us an opportunity to fight back on things we don't normally get to fight back in our lives, which means bad guys say bad things. We try to make sure that we are inclusive and that we also try to make sure that these bad things have a point. They have a point to the story. But the idea of censoring it or just altering it for us is like, that's not the game we play. That's not the thing we wanted to record. So so we try yeah. to move forward with that in mind and do the best we can to be good citizens. And that, that's why I, I haven't streamed yet because I'm worried that if I stream my show, you can't, right? It's, it's live, it's out there, it's published. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of people don't understand. Like when you hit a publish button, it's published. And <laughs> so it's open to the free world. Right, uh, yeah to and you can't go back once you do it so i'm always nervous not because i'm worried about what people are going to say or do it's just i want to you know present the game as it should be and for me that's massive editing and adding sound effects and having doors slam and spells go off and and you know stuff like that where Mm. you you can only add background music to streaming so why don't you guys uh Tell me about your 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 game. Like, what what's the aspects of it? Like, the fundamentals of it. Hmm. I feel like I've been talking a bunch. So, Kara. <laughs> um, I, that's like that's your kind of question, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, Mike, that's a DM job. What's your world like? <laughs> um, I can't remember the names of half the people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, <laughs> when we first started playing, we were. Uh, we played out of Taldori, out of the Taldori guide, and but the but the story was homebrew, um, and and so when we were doing the two campaigns, that was all fun, and I was like, I love the idea of just creating your own your own story. But as we were talking about creating the podcast, I had never run a module, and I wanted to see how that worked. I wanted to see how you could take that as a guidepost, as guidepost, and still integrate your own backstories and your own story. And I looked at a bunch of threads and a bunch of Reddits and, 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 and forums. And so I decided I wanted to run. And I talked to them and I said, I would really like to run Tyranny of Dragons. Um, I wanted to run the Horde of the Dragon Queen and run uh, the, the Rise of Tiamat. And so we started with that 
5e running those two modules i asked them to create backstories for their characters i kind of said this is what i'd like to play with the idea that they're kind of siblings adopted siblings who that way we don't have to to deal with the how do they why do they want to play with each other why do they want to fight with each other so it gave us a confine and then they just started building and creating um, and it was really cool to integrate all of that into this world that already existed thanks to Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. You know, I, <clears throat> modules are fun. Uh, I used, the only modules that I've done recently, or, or not recently, but were second edition modules, uh, or like the first edition where they only had modules. And so you get your character sheets, you didn't really have much, and there was a story to be done, but it was already given to you basically, and you could kind of manipulate some of it. Uh, and then ever since second edition, AD&D, you had the ability to come up with your own homebrew campaign world because they gave you those tools. Uh, and ever since then, I've, I've only done homebrew because I like the books. They're great. It's good guidelines. I, I do like some of the stuff that's come out recently. Um, but I, I can't stick to just a module and then keep everybody in that confined little uh, book, unfortunately. <laughs> So have you found it hard to keep everybody within the storyline of the of the module or are you just kind of using that as like the base? You know, it's the it's what's happening in the larger world. It's the way I see it is it's what's happening in the larger world, but they still have individual stories that they want to tell. There are things from the backgrounds from which they come, the backstories from which they come that want to be resolved. Thankfully, having read it through entirely and i'm that guy i don't do page to page i i try to read the module three or four times um so i said hey please be sure that you're mindful of the fact that the nature of this module is such that you won't have time to go back and avenge your father's death so maybe don't write that into your backstory it's not once you get moving down this path there kind of is an urgency to the story that the book is telling however I will make sure to weave in every element of your backstory and the story that we kind of agree upon into it. So yeah, the module has a prominent, prominent place in our storytelling. And I think hopefully people who listen to it can definitely pinpoint, oh, there's Green S. Oh, they're moving to this chapter. They're, now they're in this chapter, except for they've gone off on a tangent and they met another character. And that's part of what I think is fun about running a module is that these guys get, they don't, their creativity is not left at the door because the module has given us an outline. It's just that and outline. Yeah. So, who has the biggest uh, backstory, being theater folk? <laughs> oh, I, I was going to say. I think we all have. I mean, I know yeah. for me, I have created like an entire life for this character. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, in my mind, I live her life. I, I try to make decisions as she would make decisions. You know, but yeah, I have. I can tell you where she was on, you know, January 3rd at, you know, whatever time. Um, yeah, I've, whatever time they're in, I don't know what the A, D, and B, C of it is, but. Yeah, you know, and I could just see the <laughs> What year where, is it? Yeah. What year is it in Greenest? You can bring, a, you just like, here's my, you know, the little green ledger book. Here you go. Here's my backstory. And it's like, ah, you know, it's like a book, yeah. basically. Which I have like a Stephen King novel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is what I would be bringing. Be going, but, Want to know about Lapis? There you go. Yeah. So you can publish it. And before the game starts, get oh. it published. And then you're like, okay, well, here's my character. It's published. So you can't kill them. 
Okay. <laughs> you could get your, your animated series about it, Jody. You could make an animated I want an animated series. Lapis. I really do. Yeah. I really do want an animated series. It's possible these days. There's so many folks out there. You know, I joke about, you know, backstories and stuff, but one of my characters, one of my players, he wrote three books based off of his character and he's published. Oh, know, wow. His, his, not from my game, but the character originated in one of my games and then he's got to the point where he wrote three books about it in his own world uh and he's like that's my backstory and i'm like oh, <laughs> right just want me to buy the book don't you don't do this before you start <laughs> jamming <laughs> yeah, so you know it's and your friend was george rr R. martin so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so you know that's the fun thing is like Fifth edition has allowed you to dive deeper into the uh, backstory of a character, and you can live longer uh, compared to other editions uh, where you could step out the door and die because uh, you only have like four hit points, and you know you've created. So it takes back in the day, it took two or three hours to build a character. You can do one in fifteen minutes now if you don't want to like, dive too deep into it. Uh, but like back in the day, your character would die and. Then, You'd just be like, I spent my life doing it. I can't play this episode. <laughs> I mean, this session, because like you spent so much time and you die 15 minutes into the game and you're like, no. <laughs> you are the cleric. And so, like, that's it. You're done. You can't bring yourself <laughs> without a cleric. Yeah. Well, for the longest time, I had a running gag that that Jerome was just trying to, every game, he was trying to figure out a way to kill Lapis. <laughs> How am I going to kill Lapis in this game? Uh, let's see let's give her this guy to fight and then okay. and, and then Kara says what can I do to kill myself in every, <laughs> in every episode yeah and we, right. we tried to make the try to make the parameters really clear like I, I I'm the kind of DM that I want to be on the player's side I want to find out what story we can tell together so what I want to find out what story we can tell together. And so early parameters are, I'm going to let you get a little room to kind of figure out where these guys go. But if we're going to play the game the way you've described you want it in our zero session, then one, there is a risk. These characters can die. That's a value to you because something happens to them. I would assume the other siblings would mourn. <laughs> uh, 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 and, and that pushes us forward. So it's all bets are off. It's like, I'm going to take what you do at the table and we are truly going to try to collaborate to see if we can't bring this story together. Do we know where it's going to end up? No idea. No I mean, idea. that's, that's the ultimate goal for, for any DM, but sometimes like I've died and recently in, uh, in a game that I'm in as a player and uh, they just dumped me in the water. <laughs> I, I died on the boat. <laughs> like, what are you going to do to avalanche? Uh, off the side, I'm like, what the? Nothing. We got too quiet. Quick grieving process. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, and I now don't... thanks to uh, now thanks to Dungeon Master's Dojo, Jerome has found out that he can just dismember us slowly. <laughs> and yes. so I'm waiting for Lapis to lose an arm or a leg, and I'm like, please, I'm I, I have two wet, two handed, two handed fighting. Please, you can go to, you can go to, to Thomas, and he can he can you know make mock you up and, me a new arm, arm or yeah something like that. New limb. Yeah, he's I, in the, I, he does prosthetics. I, I implemented a new system, uh, a Call of Cthulhu slash video game style. My, mine's a, my world's all homebrew. And if they die, they just respawn at their save point. 
And so oh, they, wow. <laughs> I get their character sheet when they save. And then if they die Bloodborne. in between. What's that? Kind of like Bloodborne? Is that? I kind of. I got it from a little bit from Ready Player One. And then when I was playing Final Fantasy and I died and I was, I was building the world as I was playing Final Fantasy VII. And I was like, yeah, what if we just had respawn points? So like instead of here's 46, roll this. Uh, I'll just, they'll just keep coming back to life, and then and then eventually I added the Call of Cthulhu system, so they take insanity damage. So eventually their character would be insane. But oh, so, uh, so when they when they respawn, do you have to or do you follow their their story like as individually to get them back to the 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 party or? Uh, it depends on how far away they are from the group. I try to keep <laughs> save points within town dis- differences. Okay. Uh, and I have cars in my game and uh, guns and cars and vehicles. And then they're in a and d zone right now. The previous one was a, like a borderland style world. And now they're, mm-hmm. I have zones. I do zones. The next zone is either going to be space or water. I haven't decided yet, but wow. they uh, like, he caught a bus and got back to the area where he died. <laughs> uh, but, oh, taxi. Uh, Called took, an Uber on his cell phone. How do you, how do you tell the bus driver that uh, take me to this area where <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. murdered? And and then I I took the the you know the system from World of Warcraft or not World of Warcraft EverQuest. Like all your all your shit still at your body. So like when you respawn, you just respawn with yourself, uh, and you have to go and get wow. your equipment. So <laughs> if it's That's not cool. there, it's not there. But then I I just give them the character sheet, and this is where you last saved. So and they like it. You know, it's better than making a brand new character because, again, when you start a podcast or a stream or whatever, you invest money into like a character art, uh, unless you can do it yourself, which is amazing. I applaud everybody who does their own character art. Uh, but if your character dies in episode two and you've already spent the money to have the commission of the character, <laughs> some people just don't want to play anymore because they're like, What's the point? I'm just gonna die. It's not my fault. You rolled two ones in a row. So. That's me. Yeah. I was like, we were playing. Um, we were playing campaigns before we launched the podcast, and then I was like, guys, I got my mini. And then Jerome's like, I think we're gonna take a pause on these and focus on the podcast. <laughs> I was like, well, okay. <laughs> well, you know, players are like. Do it all day long. I want you to run this game tomorrow. I want you to play again on Friday. <laughs> You're like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> no, no, we. Uh, I just bought a three three D printer for the company. I got a Mars a Mars Two Pro that uh, I make dice with now, and I have a dice maker as oh one of my God. players. She makes professional cool. dice, and that's the trick. You need to start bringing people on your show that are like professional DMs and. And dice makers, and then you're like, yeah, there we go. Um, uh, one of my yeah. characters or players, he's a professional DM. So when you're saying hire a DM to come, you know, help out, that's what he does. He mm-hmm. he'll help you build your show for ten bucks an hour uh, or fifteen, and he'll run a show for your entire family, which is it's getting a lot of business uh, with COVID. Like he'll do right. games for uh, kids and their parents, and they'll build a game around it and. And uh, wow. so it's a huge yeah. market, you know, d and is growing so much. Yeah. We, we actually ran a, um, for a charity um, with kids. It was called Harper's Tale. And it was, um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a, a module that was written by a little girl and to kind of raise money for, what was the name of the association? Friends with Kids with Cancer. 
um, Jerome ran a one shot with um, kids and supporting that cause and everything. We're actually still in the middle midst of that one shot. We've got two sessions in. I imagine there is two, you know, one or two more for a one shot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I said the same thing about my holiday specials. I'm like, all right, Halloween, four episodes, 12. Christmas, (laughs) Christmas, <laughs> four episodes, uh, 12. And I'm like, God, uh, Thanksgiving, an actual one shot. <laughs> hey! Like, oh, nice. Yeah. Everybody played turkey, so there was no point of like their characters weren't going <laughs> there. So turkey. Uh, but, you know, chari- we did a charity last year too where uh, they played kind of like Vegas vacation style. They played um, a whole family. They got trapped into an Adams family style hotel. Uh, and we did that for charity. Oh, wow. That's cool. And it was neat. Uh, I made the mistake of saying I'd match anybody that matched. And so uh, amazingly, I got more donations than I thought. I was like, oh, that's like, tell my wife, I'm like, um. he's <laughs> <laughs> done it again. I, I messed up. People actually, you know, because when people are like, oh, the host is going to match whatever we put. So everybody decided to donate a lot. And so I won because I wanted to have the highest donations. Um, for the children's hospital. And mm. so, you know, that was one way. Oh, thank God I was able to cover it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, we, we're, we're, you know, charities are good to do. I like D&D and charities, are, they weren't a thing back in the day. And now they're more common uh, than ever because there's such a huge audience, uh, even with the live streaming now uh, to do charities. So my company, we're going to start doing a couple of charities and I'll just keep games every couple months all the podcasts on the show will run uh charity uh, charity episodes and you know it's always good to raise money for for causes you know you care about yeah yeah maybe mm-hmm. a you know critical role uh they have a nonprofit business now and they're doing in, insane it's amazing when you look at it uh, just a regular small podcast and then five six years later you know they have a contract with uh, Netflix for, I think it's like $24 million or something like that, or $12 million, uh, to do animated, you know, animate their, yeah, shows. With their prime series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the landscape is just changing so significantly. Obviously you had Zatine Phoenix on not too long ago and not just the people who are playing, but the avenues that they're using play to bring attention to. And, you know, I was listening to your episode and she was talking about trauma and, and how you deal with that. And I was like, isn't it amazing that that is what we're using the D&D platform to discuss and bring awareness to? It's just remarkable what, what the community has embraced. So they actually have a course that you can take to be um, one of my players. She's a, a social worker. Derbis, she yeah. brought this to my attention uh, that... Um, you can do professional DMing. There's a, you, it's an 80 hour course that you can take and get certified as a therapeutic DM. And if you're not like a, a therapist, you can get, you can get the same thing. It's not therapeutic DM. It's something else. Uh, Cause you can't say you're a therapist unless you're qualified. Uh, Role play counseling. I, yeah. It's role. Yeah. I wrote a paper on it actually using it as a, a way of therapy. And it was really, it was really fascinating. Yeah, How so are using it too. my company, I've yeah. decided to uh, to to pay for all my players or the players that are going to be DMing for it because I'm going to try to do something with the VA because I'm a 
a VA vet. So I was like, oh, maybe I can run games for PTSD people. You know, it, it helped me. You know, I've been doing it for so long and it's one of my avenues for PTSD and all that stuff. And that's something that me and Phoenix talked about uh, quite a lot. And we talked a little bit after uh, the meeting through emails and talked about it. She's got a project coming up that we're going to collaborate on a little bit. And it's, it's going to be really neat. It's going to deal with, it's going to deal with PTSD and, and stuff like that and traumas and uh, using D and D as a, a way to help cope with those mechanisms. And uh, it's pretty neat. So yeah, that, that site we're going to, um, my company is paying for all of us to get certified as uh, professional DMs. Well, she'll be the, the actual therapeutic DM would we'll, we'll all just be her lackeys. So she'll be my <laughs> boss for that time. But you know, that's one of those cool things that something you can bring to the table. And, you know, we think about it 20, 30 years ago, that wasn't even a, a thing. And D and D has been around yeah. for almost 40 plus years. And I don't think Gary Gygax really thought that it would be used as a therapeutic tool in the way that we're talking about it right. uh, 40 mm -hmm. years ago or that the parents of the early nineties and mid nineties, <laughs> if only they knew now. <laughs> Don't panic. It gets better. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's a good slogan. I like, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so how long has you, your guys' show? You said about a year now that you guys have been putting stuff together or a year of setting up your shows. How many shows you guys got? Or episodes, sorry. 30? Yeah, we're in episode one. We're in episode, th we've just released episode 31. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and and we, we balance that. We have live play episodes, but we also do what we call behind the curtain, which is sort of interviews and discussing yeah. tactics or uh, role playing ideas or that kind of thing. But yeah, 31 episodes. That's, that's pretty good. I mean, uh, you know, it's, you think about it, and then uh, one of my players, he's like, you know, we have, we have like almost two hundred hours of, of, uh, of like content built out there, and I'm like, I had no idea. Wow. You, know, you, don't, you don't really think about it because we sit around the table. Like our my group, we play for about three hours, and I'll cut that into two episodes, uh, each week. So I'm actually five episodes ahead, and on our Patreon we have a brainstorm session where people come on and, and give me ideas to mess with the, uh, the, uh, within the podcast. And I'm like, okay, you make these suggestions, but that's actually going to be six episodes from now because we're, <laughs> I have a log. I, it'd be right, insane right. to do episode to episode. And some people do that. And I, I, I don't have the patience for that. I mean, I would <laughs> panic <laughs> because I like to put out stuff every week. Um, something, uh, just because I feel like once you get an audience, they're going to want that, or you fall behind on the, on the YouTube or the podcast train. Like I have 30 right. podcasts and if one, someone doesn't put anything out, <laughs> they, they go to the bottom of the queue and then I never see them. Right. Hmm. So that's how I, I'm always looking at it as a business aspect. I'm like, I got to stay in the, you always want to be in the top six. Cause that's what most iPhones show or eight. Mm -hmm. You know, they show those and you want to be in that top range uh, consistently or, you know, some people don't scroll down because they're only listening to the top six that are consistently putting mm -hmm. out content. Uh, I, so what's your guys is like your your season caps, like how many 
like I stopped at 30 or 32 episodes. I was like, that's season one. Uh, <laughs> do you guys have any like season set up or campaign? Well, thus far we've been, you know, we, we went with the calendar year. So um, when the calendar year ends, that concludes the season for that year. Um, and, and hopefully it takes us to a pretty significant benchmark. Um, but it also gives us room to do, you know, like I said, behind the curtain stuff and to, to interview players, even about you know, things that they were thinking or how they made these choices or what the process of, of role playing is like at the table. Um, but mixing that with the elements that are the live play elements. Yeah. I mean, as a DM, it's really cool. Like I, I love to sit down and we just, I just released today, I kind of like a hangout and a giveaway for, uh, cause we gave away some dice and some, uh, merch. Uh, but just on Sunday, we just sat down and we hung out. I got to ask the players, like, what did you think about this? Like, cause normally when you, when you get into play, you're there to play and you don't really, you know, as a DM, you don't talk to your players that often, or, um, at least I don't. And so it was nice to be able to interview my own players. Be like, oh, what do you think about that? Or what about this? And what did you like about that episode? Jerome does that actually on a pretty regular basis, like with us, with our behind the curtain, just being able to sit down and talk to us and ask us what our thoughts and feelings are on things. And yeah, that's and we that, yeah, that's important to definitely like as a DM to not be disconnected from your players because if they don't like the way a situation is going, you want to make sure that, again, it's all about having fun and being there as a group and, and enjoying it. So like, to make sure that the players are having fun with it and not just there because they feel they're obligated to, to you know, show up every game. <laughs> yeah, he's very good about uh, keeping an open line of communication. You kind of touched on it earlier, but he you know, before an episode gets put out, he always makes sure that uh, he contacts everybody and has a has a rough draft for, for us all to listen to. And if there's things that we don't like, we, you know, be like, hey, take that out because I farted or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I used to get everybody's individual Never happened, audios and uh, I yeah. stopped asking for everybody's individual audio because they'd use audacity, but then I'd hear every sound that they had in the background and I'm like, because I have guys and girls, and so I'm like, uh, and now I'm listening to a one-hour episode five times, <laughs> <laughs> so I can edit all the little things out and then layer it. Um, I stopped doing that because there's too many weird background sounds and noises, and mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I get to hear the significant others yelling in the background. I'm like, oh, I didn't hear that on the master track, huh? <laughs> I, I'm kind of curious, like, you know, just. And, I'll, and I guess this is kind of a question across the board. Why did you, either my players or, or you, uh, Kelly, why did you decide that you wanted to put a part? Why did you want to play D&D for an audience? Uh, let's see. We'll, we'll go around and ask everybody else and then I'll, I'll finish it because I'm a, I'm a talker, I guess. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why did you guys join the podcast? How's that? I just do what Jerome tells me to do. <laughs> so when Jerome said, Hey, you want to come play? I just, I guess, and Jerome on anything he says, Hey, Jody, you want to come do a show at the Pollard? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Jody, you want to do a podcast? Sure. So yeah. that's, that's kind of where I came from. I just, I, I find it very, I enjoy working with Jerome a lot and I enjoy working with all of these people so much that when Jerome 
asks me to do a project, I just know it's going to be a great experience and it's going to be something that I'm going to get a lot from and that I'm going to get to give a lot to and he's going to let me play and be creative and feel like a smart person. And uh, so, yeah, that's Jerome asks and I say yes. That's so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I this was that. not the first time that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I, I, I mean, I was kind of talking with Jerome and uh, Timmy and Jennifer and, uh, you know, I, I, I just like the idea of, of performing just in general. And then of course, doing something with Jerome and a bunch of my actor friends just sounds like, yeah, why wouldn't we want to perform something like D and D where you, you're allowed to create worlds and, and characters and backstories. And, uh, uh, so yeah, that's, it, it's a super cool concept it's intimidating and frightening at times because you're like, Oh my God, people are listening to this or people might listen to this, but um, it's uh yeah, it's, it's cool. And I, I think it's fun to bring in a potential audience of people that might otherwise not be interested in D and D because of our backgrounds in theater, I think. Yeah. All right. All right. I like it. I, I just got into it for like the hot guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where you've been looking, but uh, <laughs> we have a D20 uh, mail calendar. Uh, <laughs> next year. Mostly just pictures of Joe <laughs> Maganello over and over and over. And over. <laughs> Different poses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, um, I, I, I never really grew up. I was the kid who I like, so I'm, I'm a big Final Fantasy nerd, and I remember whenever I'd have my siblings and their friends over, I'd be like, okay, you're a fighter, you're a white mage, I'm the dark mage. Like I would assign everybody their roles and play Final Fantasy. So when somebody as a grown up is asking me to basically play Final Fantasy again, mm -hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say yes. I, mean, <laughs> okay. I, I still have my original games. I have all the Final Fantasies all the way up to the current one. So do I. I did that during, so when we went to shelter in place here in the States, I was like, you know what? I have the gift of time. And now I'm gonna go back and play all the Final Fantasies. And then once I accomplished that, I was like, now what the hell do I do? Oh my God, how did you uh, wow. go through all of this? That's a lot. You played all of those? I didn't, that's all I did. It was so bad wow. that like, people were like, do you wanna eat? Did you, wanna, <laughs> did you, did you play the remake? I I'm playing the remake right now. Uh, I love it. I liked I, it. The seven, yeah. Yeah, do you, did you, uh, well, I don't want to say anything because I don't know where you're at. And I don't want to give any spoilers away. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. It's good. We, we can reconnect later on and we can talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's more to talk about later I, on. I, masquerade and. <laughs> I feel like there's a mixed bag as well of people who are the the ending it's either like i don't know there's like people love it or hate it and i'm, I'm curious to see where you I mean, can get part, there where part two's coming out in, in four months i think it's four months or five months part two will come out and then it'll pick up from there so yeah um, i'll be like guys you're gonna play some dnd &D? i'm like i'm so busy guys like, oh. I, I, I got stuff to do i can't make it um i'm oh, sorry i'm on the not quite the final fantasy <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
So, yeah, bro, my website. Like, How, how's it the here. Final Fantasy? There's they like keep 15. doing it. <laughs> yeah, she's like, there's like 17 Final Fantasies. How's it the Final Fantasy? <laughs> Don't look yeah, into the name so much. Make up your mind. <laughs> um, I guess. Uh, I guess it's me. Well, what about you? Why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us from uh, your your outlook on it? Uh, well, it, it's obviously it was becoming very popular, and we i think i can speak for us we're all huge fans of critical role and watching them do it but what occurred to me or at least the reason i thought it might be worth it to record it is because one you look at critical role and you kind of think well that's the ultimate of how it's done and really the truth is it's simply adults getting permission to play let's pretend and it doesn't matter if you get it right. It doesn't matter if you get the spells right. It doesn't matter if your sheet is optimal or you hit the hardest or whatever. If that's the way you want to play, that's great. But all you're really doing is sitting down together and, and keeping this enduring legacy of storytelling alive. Storytelling is what mm -hmm. makes society. So storytelling is what connects us. It's what keeps us from starting at zero. It's why kids don't have to recreate the English language you know, at three because we've already got that much. So we've shared this piece of information with you. And it tells us the contrary to what a lot of what I spent my youth being told, which was make pretend, make believe isn't for you, whether it's because you're a boy or whether it's because you're African-American or whether you're because of this, that, and the other, it's for everybody. And this community has certainly embraced us in that way. And I am so grateful that these guys came on board and decided they wanted to do that too. Cause what we're finding is that we're talking to people and they're saying, you're helping me deal with a grief or you're helping me mm -hmm. figure out that I don't have to have all the answers when I'm confronted with an ism, the sexism or racism or whatever. And I'm watching them do it in real time. So the idea of sitting with your friends and saying, we're safe. You're okay to discuss those things in real time with these make-believe characters that really struck us, it struck me as cool. And I wanted to do it one with my wife and then with these artists that I really respect and, and love. Yeah, I like it, I like it. I'm trying to get Matt Mercer on the show. I, I have friends that are like direct friends and they've, they've emailed him. Uh, oh, I, I, wow. I wasn't like, I want his email. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna do that process. But obviously he's really busy right now with, um, with uh, Baldur's Gate 3. So I might have to wait. I was like, damn it. But is he doing Baldur's Gate 3? I believe so. I think that's what I was told. I've never had a chance to play that. I'm so super excited about playing that. Uh, Satine Phoenix actually does a stream with her husband and they play Baldur's Gate together. Oh, uh, wow. So that's out on, on Twitch right now. Uh, you don't, I don't have know. it for any of the, 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 the platforms I have. I, I'm not a big PC gamer. I'm not as cool with the keyboard and they don't have it for the PlayStation yet. <laughs> yep. I'm, I I'm terrible at keyboard games. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I don't have time anymore to between my daughter and master's program and editing multiple shows and stuff. I, I have a TV right next to me and I could sit there and play a game. But then I'm like, oh, I need to edit these three shows and publish this. <laughs> and I need to email yeah. this person and I need to do this. And I'm like, I'll never get to just play video games again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, but to answer your question, um, uh, I did it mostly because I've always just had that table of friends, the locals. You know, growing up, it was like you had the, the you know, jocks and everything, and they owned the streets. But, like, 
in the D&D community, it's like, oh, I can't go down that road. That's another DM's like, area, you know, they'll get, they'll get mad. And so it was kind of like the same aspect for all the real nerdy kids because they're like, oh, we don't go over there. We don't do that because that's someone else's territory. Um, and being able to now live stream, or not even st stream, but um, have a game uh, virtually with other people around the world is really cool. And then to take it to that next level, to play with those people, record it, publish it, and then have an audience looking in on your on your table has always been something I've always wanted when I was younger. And, you know, it's really nice when you get emails or a message saying, oh, you're this episode, like, oh, what happened to this character? And, or, you know, they ask a question or something. Or, like, today, again, like, one of our Patreons got to brainstorm with me and they basically were talking about how uh, stuff within all the episodes, because they've listened to all of them. And it was just nice to talk to someone else about uh, episodes that I've created and produced uh, that aren't in my circle. And as another person that was really fascinated with the game itself. And so it's always a good feeling to know that you have people that are listening in and they give you feedback and, you know, it's Absolutely. all that work that you put into it. And I felt, I, I got to keep doing it because, you know, that feeling of someone looking in and, and enjoying it as a story right. uh, is amazing, especially with like a theater, you know, like you guys would perform and have, you know, even if you didn't have anybody in the room, you would still do it. But when you have an audience in your room, you feel compelled to do it even better because now you have an audience watching you and you want to, you want to do your best and then get that feedback and get that not, gratification of, of their approval or of applauding but knowing that they got joy out of what you're doing for them uh you know and it's the same thing in the D, &D world it's or in, in any streaming podcast in a positive manner uh you get that satisfaction from uh unfortunately like true crime is really big and i didn't realize how big the uh, the state's true crime world uh it is it's like it's a huge community and my wife's like, are you going to do a true crime podcast? I'm like, I'll do a Call of Cthulhu one, but no, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's like, what is that? I'm like, don't worry about it. It's not important. It's, it's take too long to explain what Call of Cthulhu is. Um, it's D&D-ish. And uh, yeah, so I think I'm going to keep doing it, you know, for another 30 years. Uh, awesome. yeah. A lot of my friends have been doing it, you know, they're in their 50s and 60s and they still play that I've actually played with Gary Gygax wow. uh, at his tables at GaryCon and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, one of my players, she, you're talking about Joe Manganiello. She was at, uh, it was a Gen Con or GaryCon. And he like, just walked up to her and was asking like directions and she sells dice and stuff. And she's like, it's that way. And I'm like, really, did you say it like that? Or were you just like melting onto the floor? And that he was yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I was, I don't know. But, you know, it's just to see those figures, you know, enjoying the game too. And they probably been playing forever when they were kids. So, you know, just to see that anybody, uh, you know, has done D&D &D at every level of, of their, you know, life, no matter if they're famous or, or just the average Joe and, and, you know, do a show or whatever. But like when the big people do shows, it gets a lot of traction because they're, I didn't know Vin Diesel played Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Well, 
I mean, a lot of people didn't know that like his Riddick uh, series, if I'm correct, is based off of his D and D world uh, and that oh, wow. whole aspect. And so, like, he was playing his character, and I'm like, that's the ultimate dream, right there. That's awesome. <laughs> You're wow. playing yourself, uh, and I'm sure if I'm wrong, please email me, Vin Diesel, and uh, I'll have you on the show, and you can correct me. And <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, I, if, uh, if they're listening, I got to see these numbers because I'm, I'm not seeing. I mean, that's the thing about a show. Like, I've got to the point where you know a few hundred downloads a week, uh, and it feels great to like. I, it is a lot of work to edit. So, like when you edit as much as I do, it's six or seven hours of editing that I'm doing per episode, uh, mm-hmm. and I want to put out every week. So, I'm, a lot of my time goes into editing to make that quality because. I can't act and I can't draw. Uh, so my contribution is, you know, a story with, uh, you know, some sound effects. So you're listening to the movie, basically. Yeah. Yep. Love it. See, it's a lot easier of me going at the end, right? <laughs> yeah. That was why I asked. I was curious. Yeah, no, it's it's a huge thing. I think D&D is one of those things that's going to be around for a very long time unless sixth edition when it comes out soon uh completely destroys the platform uh i doubt it <laughs> but uh you just keep playing five either. yeah we'll just keep playing yeah, five yeah, yeah. Just, just five i i actually only started playing five oh five six or when it first came out i was playing second edition all the way up to that point I couldn't get into any of the other ones. Uh, and then when Hasbro purchased uh, Wizards of the Coast, uh, when three, third edition came out, I saw the difference in like the quality of artwork. Cause I'm like, oh, it's not as gruesome and as violent as like second edition. Well, it's because Hasbro Games purchased Wizards of the Coast and mm-hmm. then made it kid friendly. Mm-hmm. And then it just really turned me off with like the awkward looking dwarves and elves and the I'm like, what is going on? I'm not paying for Disney games, damn it. Uh, even though in my world, a lot of things, everything's living because I treat it like a Disney movie. So every time they're in the woods, the, everything's alive. Uh, so uh, a lot of our episodes, the mushrooms that one character has been chewing on were living. Uh, she just nice. discovers that they've just been shoving the dead bodies up as she's pulling them out. <laughs> occasionally ate some live ones now they live in her guitar as a bard or since she's a bard they live in her guitar in the dark space and continue to nice it. yeah so fun guys uh yeah i didn't ask very many questions so what's your guys's favorite character uh if you're not playing it already which probably are but what's your favorite class to play while you're doing uh any any style of uh D What's your go-to class and race? Mine's always sorceress. Um, yeah. I love playing a sorceress mainly because, like, if I had that, if somebody came up to me and was like, "What ma- what, what what power do you want?" I would be like, "I want to be I'd be a sorceress." As far as race goes, I don't know. I'm usually torn. I like I'm pretty. Cre- I like tiefling. I'm a pretty big fan of the tiefling, but um, probably the variant because I like the idea of having wings. Okay. Mm. interesting i like it i love rogues i love rogues and uh uh 
I I don't know what my what my favorite race is. I'm playing a changeling right now, which I absolutely am thoroughly enjoying. So that's probably my my answer for that. Okay. Yeah, I I love fifth edition how it's opened it up to so many subclasses and races. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's a lot better than the other editions where you had like like seven uh, yeah. standard, and now you can. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's good. But it's getting a little overwhelming. I don't know. Like I'm getting to the point where I'm like a little overwhelmed. I love it, but also like when they came out with the damn fear and stuff, I was like, okay, we got Vampire the Masquerade. We don't need to be doing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to messing with your stuff. Gatekeeping that. Gatekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> gatekeeper. Don't worry. When Lost Lauren comes out, you're gonna get all your Masquerade fantasies fulfilled because it's, it's coming back. <laughs> that's you know uh i work for for mark uh for mark reinhagen and i think one of the selling moments is when i told him in zone two the main bad guy is a malkavian dragonborn uh and he's like that's what i'm looking for i need to bring D &D into to my world and so i think that's what kind of won him over with because uh, I I love Malkavian, so I have an insane dragonborn vampire uh, at the end of this this arc for the group to fight. Wow! Well, yeah. well, we've got to do we've got to do a because Kara's been talking about this from the beginning. We've got to do a uh, vampire the masquerade type one shot or or short arc. So maybe we can get you or Mark or somebody to come run it for us so that we can all play it. Because I can't understand it. And I want somebody <laughs> to teach it to me. Plus, I think it'd be cool to play a vampire as long yeah. as it's not the weird world Kara's got created in her mind. Because I got, I got pretty, some crazy dirty. <laughs> <laughs> the weird world Kara's got created in her mind. Like that is the only way we're playing it. <laughs> well, luckily it's we got some, some lost Lauren creators that are looking to test play our game. So uh, that could be something down the road, hopefully yeah. soon. Uh, and hey, if I can get Mark to do it, he he might do it. I, That'd be I'm, awesome. I'm, yeah, to have the the man himself run your game. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's so. And <laughs> we we've left one person out. Did we get everybody on the characters? <laughs> I would say uh, I'm with Jared. I like playing rogues. I mean, I'm playing a fighter, mm-hmm. and and I am probably the least experienced D and D player on our podcast. Um, I'm fairly new to the game, um, so I haven't created a lot. But so far, I'm really liking my rogues. Yep. Um, and go. as far as race goes, I've been kind of playing around with various races. Um, right now in another game, I'm playing a halfling rogue, uh, swashbuckler. That's a lot of fun to play. Little tiny person who runs in, stabs things, and runs out, um, which is real fun. Um, and I've just created a purple tiefling rogue assassin that I'm looking forward to playing. That's a pretty intense uh, mixture. I like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 interested to see how she plays out. Oh. All right. Yeah. I. Yeah. The a lot of the classes seem really difficult. I'm a straight fighter, dwarf, or barbarian. That's it. Uh, <laughs> I like to keep it simple. Smash and bash. No. No. No magic. Or yeah, I hate magic. Uh, I just feel like the system is not. You know, adequate enough for the way I like to run games, especially if if the magic doesn't make sense. Like when you use a a fireball in an enclosed room, like the heat residual should affect everybody, not just go in one direction and dissipate. So, 
I, I add a lot of <laughs> physics to my game. So a lot of my players hate the fact because it makes them think about how to use their spells and stuff. Uh, and the, another big thing is I hate when people are like, oh, hold on, I got to read up on this spell. I got to find this thing. And then you stop yeah. the game in place. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you could have done that while you're waiting for your turn. <laughs> you already knew I, you were going to cast it. Yeah. I, I'm like, I, I have got mine on deck because as the, when we kind of first started, I was, some of our parties had magic, but I was like the main magic wielder. So it was like every turn was magic. And I learned quickly because Jerome would be like, I can see his eyes just get, and I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Uh, so what about you, Jerome? What's, what's your go-to? You know, oddly enough, I've only played one, one race uh, in one character, really. Um, I played a barbarian, um, uh, half half giant or or Goliath barbarian, which I was like, I want to learn this one well. I want to learn this particular race and class. I love it. I love it. You know, but again, I'm not that much of a guy who's about what do I do with my sheet. It's what do I do with the character that makes the sheet worth it. I guess. Yeah. Uh, when I did D and D in the castle, I played a barbarian gnome. And everybody's like, that's insane. I'm like, yeah, but it's just funny. You know, I did a lot of research uh, and I had a blast and I used a lot of military tactics. So Tim was pretty pleased on how this tiny little gnome was, you know, uh, kicking ass. And I got the kill shot. Oh, that's awesome. The third day. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. Yep. I was like, hell yeah. And he's like, huh, the littlest person in the group got the headshot. Well, I had a Vorpal Blade because he's like, if you could have one magical item, what would it be? And I'm like, <laughs> Because he only gave us one magical item each, and we didn't get it till day <laughs> two of the the castle. So uh, I know he gave us, I think, two or three, but it wasn't about that. It, we did a lot of the story and fun stuff when we walked around. But I think as a playable character, you know, at some point you just got to look at what's the craziest combo. You don't really need to max mid anything, and it's just about how you can push the limits of those those characters. Yeah, uh, especially yeah, with, with fifth, you know, fifth having so many options. Uh, and I opened up for my game, and people had just ran. I was like, What the hell is that? And they're like, Oh, it's a homebrew thing. And I'm like, oh, My mistake. Because I said, Oh, yeah, you, whatever you want to play, I can handle them. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy stuff. And I'm like, oh, All right, take that back, <laughs> you know, next time <laughs> we play. Well, and it's fun to see like how the different races and classes work together for me at least. And yeah, like you said, to see what you can do with this as, as a player, as an actor, or how you can tell someone's story when those two things don't work together. I created a Kenku bard. And, um, and so, yeah, all of her inspiration is just mimicking what other people have said to her. Um, <laughs> And it ended up being in a Beauty and the Beast Disney campaign. And so they're all singing Be Our Guest and she runs in and sings Be Our Guest and like sells the whole thing. And uh, (laughs) just by mimicking what other people are doing. And it's been very funny and silly um, and challenging in a different way, working my brain in a different way. Yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with the Kenku. Uh, they're just yeah. soulless creatures to me. They're hollow. So I, if I ever was to play one, it would be a pirate because then I could just hide 
you know, shit in its legs because it's hollow. <laughs> and, and I tell that to everyone, like on a, a lot of shows, I tell them, like, oh, yeah, the Kanku, I hate them. But if I was to play one, I would maximize all those hollow bones and, and for smuggling and all kinds of stuff because obviously it doesn't affect them to be hollow. Uh, I can just fill them up with whatever I want. And then people are like, oh, that's a great idea. And the DM's like, oh, damn it. Why would you say something like that? Uh, I don't know but, why I just imagined a Ken Coupez dispenser. Just like, yeah. I'm like coming out. <laughs> I'm just now thinking of the movie Beauty and the Beast, but it's just two hours of Be Our Guest. Of Be Our Guest. That birds. is. <laughs> and yeah. there were several times when, you know, something would happen and I would go, and Octavia goes into a rousing rendition of Be Our Guest. <laughs> the, uh, the villagers are getting ready to attack the castle. And Octavia goes into a rousing rendition of Be Our Guest to distract them. Yeah. I, I, think the, I, I think the bards have really came up like a whole new level since their inception into D&D. They are now like a powerhouse within the, the D&D world or you know, well, it's hard class. to deny the effect of Sam Regal on that class, man. <laughs> he kind of was like, okay, so that's how you can play a bard. <laughs> yeah, we well, I put live music in, so every time my bards play, if they sing, I give them extra bonuses. Uh, oh. But I put music in behind the bards, so it can be, say they flick a note, I'll put a tune behind their guitar and as it, the spell's working, so... Uh, trying to get them in and then the band that does our our intro and outro is a real band from chile and they're going to come on the show we're going to do battle of the bards when they go to take over a castle and so the band's actually Mm. going to play bards and then the group have to take over the castle so it'll be interesting hopefully they play some live music for us to to put on the show for it that'd be awesome Uh, yeah but i mean bards are just cool all, all around i i love them uh especially folks that can play instruments and really like sit down and play i think there's a few people i've seen where oh yeah our podcast we're all bards because we all play instruments and they'll play them while they you know they play and i'm like ah that takes it to the whole new level that's cool you're, you're doing what i want uh but and then bards have more spells they can live longer at level 10 they can learn any two spells they want at a time uh from any class or any uh school and that's that's epic if you get to that point yeah so yeah uh so i do one last thing um so it's pretty big for everybody so if you were trapped we'll do one person at a time if you're trapped in a room uh you had one php and one book of choice and one set of dice everybody forgets the dice but there are dice goblins out there that want to know what dice you'd want to have for 24 hours and then you can pick anybody that you want to play with, living, dead, famous. And if they're famous, what character do, do you want? So if it's like Jim Carrey, uh, if you want Jim Carrey by himself, he's not really Ace Ventura. You know, that's a character he plays. So if you're going to get that specific, you got to, which rendition of that person would you have? Being theater folks, curious. So you got the PHB and then one book. Yep, PHP of any edition and one book of any edition uh, to pick from for 24 hours. And you can DM or they can DM. It's up to you. Oh. Mm. Oh, I think I got mine. I think I would do I would do 5e. I actually would think I would take Curse of Strahd and I would take Vincent Price. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what I would do. That's awesome. Okay, I like it. Golly, that oh, that's hard. I'm gonna make the one easy. I'm gonna play with my wife. Oh, there you go. There you Aww. go. She's, she's awesome to play with. She is awesome uh, and, to play with. And somebody else is going to DM it because I want to play with her. Um, yeah. Oh. Okay. I would take the player's handbook, but I would also want to take uh, a, um, like, I would like to see what the Dungeon Master's Guide looked like from one of the more established older versions. I don't know exactly which one that is because there's so many conflicting ideas about four and three and uh, advanced Dungeons and D. Dungeons D. So, so I would have somebody recommend the next coolest DMG that's not 5e. Okay. I have a first hmm. edition book behind me. That's, that's pretty, I still wow. use that wow. for today's game. Uh, Good Lord. Wow. Yeah, they get really paranoid when I pull out a second edition monster manual. I'm like, hold on, guys. <laughs> They're like, oh, check. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to read those because I think that would be cool to see how it's progressed and changed. Yeah, I'm always pulling out this guy. Second oh, wow. Edition. Wow. Um, and I'm friends with Nerdarchy. And so I got their Kickstarter books. I randomly pull out their books too. Out of the uh, box, yeah. Yep. Met them at the castle too. All right, who's next? Uh, Jared, Jared's going to pawn it off of me on the newbie player who has not played much, so I will stick with 5e. I'm going to go with Xanthar's as my book, and I'm going to be the true uh, nerd that I am. Oh, gosh, my person gets real confusing, though, because I'm a nerd in so many different ways. Um, Oh, it would be a toss-up for me on my person. It would either be William Shakespeare, because I think it would be really fun to have him as a bard. True. Um, or um, um, uh, Susan Messing, a great improv teacher of mine that I took with, uh, based out of Chicago. Um, just because I think she'd have a lot of really cool ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and what was what was the other... What's the dice. other component I have? Dice, dice. Oh, dice. Oh. I, would say I don't know. Favorites. I, I have hundreds of dice. So I've, um, I have all metal dice sitting in front of me right now. Like, yeah. I really, I really love sets. my, I love my Kraken sea lie mm. that I play with my, that I play with my, uh, my halfling bard or my halfling rogue. She's a little pirate and she has sea lie because. The sea and she lies a lot. <laughs> a lot. Cool. I love it. Love it. Uh, I have no idea. the The books would be. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd have a particular choice. I would. I would love to play with someone like Anthony Hopkins. Yep. Uh, what, which, which version? Like him himself, or? Oh yeah, yeah. Just, just Anthony, Anthony fucking Hopkins, just like that dude. Yeah. Wow. I feel like that would be uh, yeah. pretty epic. And then you know, dice. I, I, I don't have like a particular dice that I like. I, I, sh I roll shit all the time, regardless. <laughs> so I, you know, it. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, the metal ones are cool though. I do like the feel of having like a hefty, a hefty dice for sure. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Uh... Yeah, it's I was, funny. I think different dice roll differently for me with different characters. Yep. You got to find, that's why I have hundreds of sets. Well, yeah. not sets, but hundreds of dice. 
and you know, my dice maker has yet to send me a set of dice, and I, I try not to bug her about it because she's making dice for all of our players. But I'm like, I want to get, I want googly eye dice. So she's gonna make me some googly eyes. I'm just waiting <laughs> for them because uh, I put googly eyes on my Roomba because I was bored and I was drawing my map. And then so my daughter the next morning, she's like, saw the Roomba. She hates the Roomba. She's one and she's terrified of it. But once I put the googly lays on it, she's like giggling at it. And then when it <laughs> comes towards her, she like runs away. But <laughs> it's just a bunch of little googly eyes moving around. I love it. Nice. Uh, you know, having so many of these episodes, I have to change mine up every time. Because if I did the same, it'd be boring. Uh, sure. So I'd have Eganel, or I'd have Poe. Uh, Call of Cthulhu of any book, and then uh, I go with the first edition player's handbook just to make mm. it extremely hard. Uh, and then <laughs> I would have him DM just because he's creepy, and I'd like to see what he would do with the beating heart. And that's a good one, <laughs> that is a good one, yeah, that is a good one, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I did one that was really good, it really caught everybody by surprise. It was a crazy mixture, I think it was. I can't remember who it was. It was wild. It was like uh, someone you wouldn't even think of and then the opposite of the, their style. And so, and then, of course, I'd have uh, my little gold dice. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Or forged dice that I got in Poland that a blacksmith made. My D6s. Oh, my God. That's They're cool. so heavy. <laughs> I've already <laughs> broke a few things with them. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I actually interviewed a blacksmith, and I'm sending him some dice. He's in the UK, and he's going to forge me uh, some D6s. And then I get, I sent him some metal dice so he could try to make a mold and then see if he can make some uh, metal dice for the wow. company. He's making wow. a brand for my company, so when I can make dice boxes, I can burn the image of my dragon into it. And, nice. Yeah. Very cool. Nice. Yeah. Right. I have to get ready for work though. Yep. So yeah, we're we're about that time anyway. So thanks for coming on. Don't be a stranger. Message. Uh, yeah. I can always bring you guys back on if you start new, you know, something new going on or anything like when? that. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sounds like fun. Awesome. Awesome. Like care, right? fun. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. Bye. Have a good one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Roll. Join us each week as we interview folks within the gaming and entertainment industry, such as writers, illustrators, artists, podcasts, Twitch and YouTube streamers, social media content creators, handcrafted gaming apparel and merchandise, and much more. You can find Maximum Roll on Apple and Spotify and anywhere else you find your podcast. If you want to be interviewed on the show, just email us at MaximumRollEntertainment at gmail.com or Instagram at Maximum underscore Roll underscore Entertainment underscore LLC. And if you like Maximum Roll, check out some of the other Dungeons and Dragons podcasts and streams on the Maximum Roll Entertainment Podcast Network, such as... Ah, you know what? I'm just going to let them tell you about their shows. Looking for a unique and fun twist to your normal D&D podcast? Well, then check out Crumpets and Kerosene. This international podcast came together from the United States, Canada, Norway, and Germany. This fun 
faith-filled homebrew game takes our adventures from the modern world into a land of roving gangs of killer clowns, creepy British children, the mating habits of dragons, and even Santa Claus. Join Jason, Alora, Merle, Sophia, Quentin, and Serene as they quest their way through the realms of mystery and evil. You can find Crumpets and Kerosene on Apple, Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, and everywhere you find podcasts. You can also find us on Patreon. Search Crumpets and Kerosene and get even more wild and crazy fun. Hey, hey, stop on by DD420.com. We're a guild of role players brought and bound together by Common Drive, the love of role playing games. We bring our individual skills and personalities together to breathe life into the worlds and games created by our game masters. We also offer podcasts such as Late Night with Jess and Jam. We have custom content, a bestiary for 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons and a Discord server where you can find games or just hang out and make new friends. That's dnd420.com. Need some excitement on that morning drive to work? Welcome, adventurers, to Constructed Chaos, a live play Dungeons & Dragons podcast full of unpredictable antics, borking doggos, and engaging fantasy storytelling and roleplay. With sessions recorded in a professional studio setting, you'll feel every bit of the action and hear every snide remark by the snarky NPCs. Jump in and have a listen to our flagship campaign, The Wrath of Zealous, to help us construct some chaos. We also have Adventurers Roundtable joining us on the network. If you have a podcast or a show that you want to join the network with, email us at MaximumRollEntertainment at gmail.com and we'll see what we can do. Take care. In a world of magic and mystery, where danger lurks around every corner, a new type of hero emerges. Brave. Resourceful. Potty trained. I, I, poop, I, I, I pooped in my pants. Well, maybe not potty trained. Coming soon only to the Crumpets and Kerosene Patreon, it's Babies and Broadswords. Someone please, my, my pants, I pooped in my pants. Games like Dungeons and Dragons are more popular than ever. But with tons of rules, mountains of books, and so many dice, it can be hard to know where to get started. That's where Dungeoneering with Jason comes in. We're Dungeon Masters for Hire. Take a break and let us run your next game. One-on-one tutorials are also available for new DMs. Contact Dungeoneering with Jason today. Adventure is just a click away.